It's a real joy and privilege to be with you and thank you so much brother for leading us in worship, leading us right into the very presence of God to worship him and to thank him for all that he's done for us in Christ. It's a thrill for me to to be with you and my church fellowship which isn't even a year old yet in the Motherwell area are praying for you. Um, this morning and my children, I have three children Amy, Benjamin and Karis ABC so that I remember which <laughs> order they come in uh, they all are back to school to, to, uh, tomorrow, Karis starts school tomorrow but Amy said that she's praying for you she didn't say she was praying for me she said she was praying for you maybe she's heard me before uh, but it's a real thrill and joy to be able to open God's word with you this morning and to worship him not only in song but also worship him uh, as we turn to his word to celebrate our fifth wedding anniversary next year we're married 20 years but to celebrate our fifth wedding anniversary Kim and I were living at the time in France and uh, we went to Paris for our fifth wedding anniversary and I'm still probably still paying the bills of that weekend that we spent in, in Paris but one of the places that we visited there was always a place I wanted to go was the museum called the Louvre Museum uh, and there there is many famous pieces of art that's where the Mona Lisa is and if you ever go don't join the queue it's a waste of time um, so small and um, there are tons of other things there to see that are, that are beautiful but on all the walls around in the museum is marked these words do not touch at one point there are some paintings where it's actually marked do not breathe on the paintings <laughs> I don't know how you do that uh, you have to be quite quick to see the painting as you take your breath and I can remember Kim and I have got a different, different uh, taste when it comes to art you just need to look at our house and see the various different things that I don't like, she likes and I like that she doesn't like and so when we go to a museum or something like that paintings, Kim spends more time on certain paintings than I spend more time on others and normally we don't, we don't look as if we're married together in a museum because we, we're, we're in different places well there was this one point where we were looking at mosaics and I love mosaics and uh, Kim's not really that interested and she had gone into another room and I was coming down these stairs and I was looking for Kim at the time it was about a room about this size and I was coming down these stairs looking for Kim and I stumbled as I came down the stairs but thankfully there was a banister but also on the wall on this ban- next to this banister was this massive mosaic and my hand went onto the, the banister but also onto this mosaic and from across the room shouted the guard in French, do not touch. And I understood that. I had been in France a couple of years. I understood. I also understood his next word, imbecile. <laughs> Everyone in the room looked at me, except for one person. And I walked across the room and I got to my wife who was studying this, this, this painting. And I said, that was pretty embarrassing, wasn't it? And she said, why are you speaking to me? <laughs> I do not know you. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been embarrassed to know someone? There is a passage of scripture where one of the disciples of the Lord Jesus 
Christ had a similar experience. And I want to read it to you in Mark's Gospel, Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. And we'll look to see what kind of lessons we can learn from this encounter that... um, that Peter had with, an, with a few people when, they were at, when he was asked, does he know Jesus? Let's read it in Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. I noticed there are, there are a few Bibles. Sorry, I didn't look at the page number, but Mark chapter 14. And we'll read from verse 53. Mark chapter 14, and we'll read from verse 53. Just read a couple of verses and then we'll go on to verse 66. So let's read from God's Word. This is God's Word for us this morning. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, elders, and teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and there he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. Let's go on to verse 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said. And went out into the entrance. When the servant girl saw him there... She said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you're one of them, for you're a Galilean. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the cock crowed the second time. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the cock crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. Where did it all go wrong? How did I get to this point in my life? These must have been some of the questions that were going through Peter's mind as he experienced this and he wept no doubt there was a flashback in his mind as he thought back to only a few hours previous when he blurted out to Jesus you remember it even if all fall away Jesus I will not in other words don't worry Jesus I've got your back you can count on me And then he said, Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, today, yes, tonight, before the cock crows, you yourself will disown me three times. And Peter didn't leave it there, actually. If you you know the gospel account, it's actually marked, says in the Bible, he insisted, he insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Now before we get too hard on Peter Sometimes I think you can get too hard on people Before we get too hard on Peter Verse 31 of chapter 14 of Mark's gospel says this All the others said the same thing All 
made great promises to Jesus and they all deserted Jesus. Every one of them, verse 50 of chapter 14 tells us. And so when Jesus is led to the high priest, to the the, the chief priests and the elders, Peter is no longer at Jesus' side. But according to verse 54, if you still have your Bible open, he is still falling this time. But he is not at Jesus' side, he is falling at him at a distance. Although he goes to the courtyard of the high priest. Although he sits with the guards next to the fire. Which when you think about it was brave. I mean all the gospels tell us that that one of Jesus' followers had taken a sword and cut the ear off the high priest. The servant of the high priest rather. One of the disciples. Only John's gospel reveals to us who that person was. It was Peter. Peter did this. And, and when I was telling Amy, who's my oldest child, she's, she's nine, a few years back when I was telling her this story, she said, Dad, why on earth, why on earth did, Peter, did Peter cut his ear off of all things? And I said, darling, what happens if someone comes at you with a big stick to hit you? She says, what do you do? She says, a duck. She says, that's what he was doing. He was going for his head. Cut his ear off. And here he is just a few hours or even minutes later in the courtyard of the high priest. I mean, this doesn't look like a guy on the run here, actually. This looks like a guy who has been desperately trying to look for a way that he can possibly rescue Jesus. Or or, or it may have been that he remembered the promise that he had made and he felt embarrassed and he thought, I'll get just as close to Jesus without being arrested. Maybe even with a major turmoil going on in his mind uh, thinking about the promise that he made to Jesus and thinking about the fact that he had been taken so violently so forcefully that night as they came at him with clubs and swords wanting to to flee but being caught between just showing how strong and how brave he is and resisting the urge to run and keep on running until he made it all the way back up the road to his home area around Galilee and that welcomed smell of fish that he knew so well and the nets that he knew so well who knows what's going on in Peter's mind The, the word of God doesn't really reveal it to us but he fails Jesus here have you ever been in a situation where you failed in your Christian life? I have. And more recent than I care to even mention publicly this morning. The psalmist asked the question, if you, Lord, kept a record of sin, oh Lord, who could stand? I know I couldn't. But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore you are feared. And it is right and proper that in our songs, in our worship, that we make mention that before the throne of God I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Jesus, my name, is written in his hands, in his heart. But he fails Jesus. He denies even knowing him. Why? Could it have been avoided? Is is my question as we we look at this passage. Could it have been avoided? Where did it all go wrong? And I think there are at least three things here that we can learn from this denial of Jesus for our own lives today. And what I can learn in my own life as I go about my business tomorrow, as I take my kids to school tomorrow, and as I live out my Christian life as I work. And there is this first thing that I want to share with you, this... This lesson, that there is no substitute for intimacy with Jesus Christ. 
Peter followed Jesus at a distance, it tells us in verse 54. Now I know I've already said that this was commendable compared to the other disciples, when you think about it, who fled. And, but it was not good enough. The warmth Peter would have felt in his heart, as you remember the gospel accounts, the warmth he must have felt in his heart as, as he shared those intimate moments with Jesus Christ. And you can read it in John's gospel, chapter 14 through verse uh, to chapters 17. As Jesus poured out his heart to his disciples and shared those precious truths with his disciples concerning the bread and the wine. This is, this is my body which is given for you. This is my blood which is poured out for you. That that warmth had gone and instead of a warm heart what is Peter doing here he is warming his hands at a fire I think this is significant Peter is in no longer in close contact with Jesus something dreadful has happened not only just in the physical act of taking Jesus away but something has happened within Peter's heart you see it was easy for Peter in the safe environment of the upper room when you think of it easy to say he would never leave Jesus I'll never leave you even if they all go away I I will never leave you easy to make promises saying that he was ready to die for Christ easy to be the perfect follower of Christ when you're with other Christians Easy to show just everyone of my Christian brothers and sisters just how good I am when I'm with them. But what happens when I'm on my own? Now he's on his own with no fire in his heart. The fire is before him and all it is doing is warming his hands and his feet and his face. You know, just being around Christ isn't enough. I know that in my own life. Peter fails because he is following Jesus at a distance. In the garden, you remember, just a few few short hours previous, Jesus takes three of his disciples. Peter was one of them, James and John. The same three who experienced that wonderful, a wonderful experience in the mountaintop when Peter could write in his second letter, we, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They caught a glimpse of the glory of Christ. And Jesus takes them near to him while he prays. Now this is the most significant night of their lives. Make no mistake about it. This is the most significant night of their lives. And what are they doing? What is Peter doing? Do you remember? Well, it's what we all really do at night. He's sleeping. (laughs) He sleeps. Jesus had told them, keep here and watch and pray. And then he tells them a second time, watch and pray. Why? And he tells them why? So that you will not fall into temptation. And and then Jesus returns to prayer. But what does Jesus and his companions do? They fall asleep again at the most critical time in their lives with Christ. Just as they're about to face a challenge which is greater than the storm they faced on the Sea of Galilee. Just as they face that challenge, greater than the challenge of feeding um, 5,000 men, not to mention the women and children, probably somewhere in the region of 20,000 people were fed that day. This was the challenge of their lives here this evening. And they are sleeping. And Jesus says, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. I think the reason Peter failed Jesus was because, among other things, he slept. And his relationship with Jesus was, was not maintained, was not intimate enough. 
What about mine? What about yours? Do we know Jesus intimately? I'm not asking you if you know the gospel. I, I, I know many people actually who could preach the gospel better than me, could share the truth of the gospel better than me, but they're not Christians. I'm not asking you if you go to church. It's good, good to come to church and I'm delighted to see you. And I, I'm delighted that there are people across Scotland. Yes, people across Scotland who are meeting together as Christians and who are worshipping God together. But I'm not asking you, do you go to church or do you give to Christian mission? That's good if you do that. Not if you sing Christian hymns. That's good as well. I love that as well. I'm not asking even if you're a member of a church. Do you know Jesus personally? I ask myself that question, or that question is asked of me on a daily basis. Am I spending time with him? Am I getting to know him? Is he my saviour? And, and not only my saviour, is he my lord? By this, I mean, by, by this I mean, is he master of my life? Am I keeping watch and praying? In other words, is his standards my standards? Is, his, is, is what makes him, his desires of his heart, are they mine? It's his truth, the truth that I live by on a daily basis. I find I feel Jesus, let me be personal here, I find I feel Jesus when my prayer life is weak. When I don't pray. And there have been times in my life, more times than I care to mention, where I failed in my walk with the Lord because... I have not spent time in his presence. When I don't ask him what he thinks of an area of my life, when I don't take time to search for his answers in the book that he's given me, and the the living word of God. It's dead interesting how that Peter failed the Lord three times. This may just be simplistic, forgive me. I'm I'm from Motherwell. This may be simplistic, but Peter failed the Lord three times here. And it was three times he'd fallen asleep. I don't think that's a coincidence. can't be. And when you look at when he fails, he is denying Christ as Christ is beaten within an inch of his life. Don't forget what is going on in the other courtyard at this point. Mark's Gospel tells us that they all, verse 64, if you still read your Bible open, condemned Jesus as worthy of death. In Luke's gospel, actually, as well, and and also here, it is recorded that some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him and struck him with their fists and said, prophesy who hit you. And the guards took him and beat him. Jesus has been tortured and tormented here. And Peter, at Jesus' moment, humanly speaking, let me say humanly speaking, at Jesus' moment of need, he is denying he knows him. Three times over. There is no substitute for intimacy with Jesus Christ. And I ask myself the question sometimes on a Friday and a Saturday night. When will I switch off the TV and spend time with him? When will I wrestle in prayer with him? The quality of my life with Jesus and the witness that I have to my non-Christian family is in direct correspondence to my relationship with him. 
Peter, not only does this account of Peter's denial teach us that there is no substitute to intimacy with Jesus Christ, but also it teaches me that there is no place for human pride with Jesus Christ. Think about Peter's promise for a second. I am ready to die for you. Really? Just take a few steps up, Peter, from the courtyard to where the Jewish leaders are. Just take those steps up. And we'll see if you're ready, Peter. Just a few steps up. In fact, just tell the guards around the fire, just tell those who are warming themselves around the fire that you're a close friend and follower of Jesus Christ. You're one of that inner band who spent that time and they will only be too delighted to escort you up, Peter. You said you were ready to die. Go on. Take your stand with Christ. Emotions had gotten the better of him, you see, in the upper room. Peter was an emotional guy who acted and reacted on his emotions often. And is that not true of my life? It's certainly true, easy to make promises to God when I'm singing with church folk. Jesus, all for Jesus. I love that song. It's one of the greatest challenges in my life. All I am and have and ever hope to be. All of my ambitions, hopes and plans, I surrender them into your hands. Really? Am I singing that at the office on Monday morning? Am I really living that way with the the kids in my house or the lads at work during the coffee break? Am I showing that in my family life when the struggle of getting the kids ready for school and making ends meet and, and there isn't a bean in the cupboard and you're, you know that a big food shop is needed and the ironing is mounting up? Am I singing Jesus all for Jesus? See, Peter found out not only is there no substitute for intimacy with Jesus Christ, there is no room for human pride with Jesus Christ. Look at how Peter failed. Verse 56. There's only a servant girl to start with. You were with him. What would we say in Scotland? It was only a wee lassie. A wee lassie had come to him. Say, so you, you were with him. And then, according to Mark's account, this wee servant girl starts to talk to the others. This guy was one of them. Verse 69, and again he denied it. And then after a wee while it happens again. Surely you're one of them. We can hear your accent. You're a Galilean. It's plain for all to see you're a follower of Christ. That's what they're saying here. You're a Galilean. You're from that area. You know, have you ever found how difficult it is if you're from this area, like I am, to disguise your accent when you go to London or wherever, or Paris or whatever? They know. They, they, they wonder if you actually are speaking English. And of course, when I tell them, not only am I speaking English, it is the language of heaven and how we will speak in heaven. <laughs> But people know from their accent where, where they're from. I've got family that live in Falkirk. They're certainly not from Motherwell. You can tell by their accent. I'm doing a church weekend in September with Aberdonians. 
What chance have I got? <laughs> you see, accents, you can hear accents from the Westies for such a, a small area of even our, our, our county has many different accents in it. And that's what they're saying here. You're not from these parts. You're from the, the countryside. You're from Galilee. We can tell you're a Galilean. Your accent gives you away. Your style gives you away. You're a follower of Christ. You come from there. And Peter gets angry, in fact he goes into a rage here and starts calling down curses on himself. In fact some believe, I don't know if it's true, I'll leave it for you to to study it further, but some people who teach this believe that Jesus is calling down curses on even the name of Christ here. And he swears. And he's adamant, I don't know him. It's amazing how any pride that Peter had, even if I have to die with you, I will never leave you. It's stripped away by a wee servant girl. He denies any knowledge of the one with whom he just spent three years living with. The one who healed his mother-in-law instantly. And I think Peter took that as a blessing. The one whose glory he saw on the Mount of Transfiguration the one who performed miracles. Peter saw people raised from the dead. Lazarus. That we get He had listened intently to Jesus' teachings, his parable. He experienced the kindness of Jesus as Jesus taught the ever and always misunderstanding disciples. Have you not got it yet? He had witnessed him walk in water. In fact, he'd even tried it himself. And his hand came out and he lifted Peter from the waves. He'd experienced that. And here, a wee servant girl asked him, You're one of them. I don't know him. And I asked myself the question at times, Am I any better? I don't know who this message is for. But I know it's for my heart. Can I give some practical advice here? I have found that when I nail my colours to the mast very quickly, as life goes on, it's a lot easier. Let me share one of the failures among many in my Christian life, and it happened a number of years ago. And I don't say this for any pride in myself, but if you relate to it, then may God minister to your heart. I am in first name terms with the manager of a Chinese restaurant in Motherwell. You probably can tell. We love Chinese food, we love French food. We spent 10 years in France, but we love Chinese food. And I remember I went to the restaurant just after we came back from France and a few years back. And I went for a takeaway meal. And in the course of the discussion, he said to me, this was a Saturday night, so what are you up to tomorrow? And before I could even think about it, my lips and my tongue said, oh, nothing much. I was preaching in a church in Glasgow. I won't tell you which one. About a minute later, he came and he whispered in my ear, wait to hear this one. And he told me one of the most obscene jokes I've ever had the misfortune of hearing. I still remember it. And he walked away. You see, I hadn't taken a stand. What are you doing tomorrow? Nothing much. 
Oh, I've told him since now that I'm a Christian. He knows. He calls me Pastor Blair. Because he knows I preach in different churches. And I don't know if I'm speaking to someone who needs to go into work tomorrow and tell someone that they're a Christian. Or even someone in the family. I'm not talking about going in and turning a box, an empty box upside down and preaching and saying, thus says the Lord in a three-point sermon all beginning with R or P or S or whatever. No. I'm just telling, sharing with you, just tell people you know Jesus. Pride is stripped away. And it was stripped from Peter by a wee servant girl. I became a Christian when I was 18. Just a couple of years ago. (laughs) And my best friend of five years. Was a Christian. I didn't know. He never told me. And sometimes I ask myself, am I any better? I need to tell people about Jesus. I need to tell them that I belong to them when they ask and when they ask the reason for the hope that we have. But not only does this passage, and I'm on my last point now, not only does this passage teach me that there is no substitute for intimacy with Jesus Christ and there is no place for human pride with Jesus Christ, it also teaches me, and I love this, that there is no hopeless case with Jesus Christ. And that gives me great comfort. Do you see Peter's reaction here when the cock crowed? Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken to him. That's the best thing we can do when we fail. Remember what Jesus said. Remember what God says in his word. Remember the promises of God. Before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. And Peter broke down and wept. And friends, that shows me where Peter's heart was. The problem is at times I can become so immune to this feeling of guilt or wrong in my life. And I need God by his spirit to convict and convince me of uh, of the sin that's in my life as I confess it. We can become so harsh with Peter. Actually, at least he tried to take a stand for Jesus. He is in the courtyard of the high priest here. He, he is not like the others hiding up some, some tree in the, 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 some olive tree somewhere or halfway up the road to Galilee. No, he is in the courtyard here. He is as close as he can get to Jesus just without being associated with him. And sometimes we are like that. We're as close as we can be to Jesus without just taking that final step of abandonment to him. In in comparison with others, this is commendable, Peter. But the fact is, God doesn't compare us with others. He wants us to come to him. And Peter puts himself in danger here. At least he gave himself the possibility to fail and deny Christ. Many didn't even do that. You see, Peter's failure here shows us that there is no hopeless case. Peter's reaction was right. He was distraught. Over failing his Lord and Master. Am I? 
Peter will be restored to Jesus three times over when Jesus asks him, do you truly love me? Do you truly love me? Do you, do you truly love me, Peter? And Peter, I, say, I, I believe through tears, although the word of God does not tell us, but I believe it was through tears. After he was asked a third time, he abandons himself to the Lord and says, Lord, you know all things. I can hide nothing from you. You told me I would fail and I did. You told me I would do it three times and I did. I made a promise to you and hours later I failed just like you said I did. You know my heart. You know everything. And you know, Lord, that I love you. And Peter was restored to fellowship and relationship with Christ Jesus. Forgiven for failing so spectacularly. And I stand before you today as someone who is forgiven after failing so often spectacularly. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sin... O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore you are feared. And while Peter did not write, did not write the words, I don't think, of the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, I'm sure he would sing with all his might the verse, Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. Save in the death of Christ my God All the vain things that charm me most My pride, everything My my arrogance My living my life as if you do not exist All of the vain things that charm me most I sacrifice them to his blood My dear friends Peter's denial of Christ Teaches me at least three things There are more Firstly there is no substitute with Jesus To intimacy with Jesus Christ Secondly, there is no place for my pride, my human pride, faced with Jesus Christ. And thirdly, praise God, praise God for this, there is no hopeless case with Jesus Christ. And so I ask my own heart this question as I close in prayer. Today, do I know Jesus intimately? Do I know him as my saviour and my lord and am I pouring contempt on all my pride have I realised that there is forgiveness today and restoration if we've wandered away from Christ restoration but it's found in Christ let's pray Father, we worship you and give you thanks for all that you are and all that you have done for us in Christ Jesus. We thank you for your tremendous grace that we cannot measure, your mercy, your love, your care for each one of us, that we cannot in any way measure or count But we thank you, Father, for your Son, the Lord Jesus, who came into this world and at the end of his life gave up his life on a cross to deal with our greatest need, our greatest problem as we lived our lives without you.
to deal with sin that so destroys us, that so robs us of peace, that so robs us of real life, genuine life, the life you intended for your creation. Jesus took upon himself our sin and he died the death we should have died. But we praise you, Father, that on the third and the appointed day he rose from the dead. And he's alive today. And he ascended into heaven and he is at your right hand. And he ever intercedes and prays for us. And we thank you that in him we have forgiveness. Thanks to him. Thanks to that death on the cross. And Father, we ask that if there are areas of our life which we need to confess before you, privately before you, we do so now, Lord. Just like Peter did. When he said to your son, you know all things, you know that I love you. And we say once again, afresh, Father, as a group of your people here, but also as individuals before you, that you know all things, Lord. You know that we love you. So fill our lives this week as we've started this new week. Fill our lives with your love, with your word. And may we live each day of this week according to your spirit, filled with your spirit and guided by your spirit. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.